Greetings, Alpha Seekers. Uh, welcome to Nugent Ventures. And uh, today's podcast is uh, about the week, the week magazine. This is the February 12th edition. And uh, the editor's letter talks about, Kenny William Falk talks about masks and uh, talks about, you know, we have to get more masks out there and cites some of the countries that have been really big time masks, uh, mask adapters. Uh, South Korea put out tons of these KF-94 masks and has only had 1,400 COVID deaths. Now, their population is smaller, but still. Taiwan, I've only had eight. So, you know, it may be that there's more there than meets the the eye, because they're so proximate to China. My theory is that they have sort of a intrinsic inherent inherited immunity to this kind of virus because China is a virus factory it just is because there's so many people in such a small space but be that as it may it's a powerful argument toward masking and at least we could try it and see how it works I was at a corporate uh, client today and you know, two of us were wearing masks, and the third gentleman was not. So, you know, but I felt pretty safe because I had my uh, my N95, KN95, which is Chinese, right? and uh, and my my face shield. So, you know, so far so good. Now, <clears throat> U.S. at a glance. The San Francisco Board of Education voted 6-1 to one last week to rename 44 schools honoring uh, Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein, and other prominent figures accusing them of racism or sexism. Washington, Jefferson, and Madison were marked for removal for their ownership of slaves. While Lincoln was faulted for his role in the mass execution of 38 Native Americans in the Dakota War of 1862, and and Feinstein, of course, replaced a vandalized Confederate flag that was part of a display outside City Hall, um, school board is considering renaming one of the schools after Jerry Garcia, who I like, but who is, a, who is a heroin addict, or was. So, you know, I guess drug addiction doesn't, um, doesn't disqualify you. Mayor London Breed, the name of the mayor there is London Breed. He even criticized the board's decision and said, you know, why don't you work on getting the kids back in the classroom rather than renaming the schools? But, you know, all that is for naught. So it's pretty clear that anybody can get canceled. You know, you can find something on anything. And so I think in the future, if you're not on the right side of this woke thing, you know, don't plan on getting too far in at least any kind of public sphere. You know, so 
that's the way she goes. <clears throat> so the past is another country, and that's where I'm from. And I am now, you know, not, I am no longer in the country I was born in. But you never are, you know, you never dip in the same river twice. What else do we have here? QAnon adherent Jitarth Jadea, who sounds like he's of uh, South Asian Indian extraction, apologized to Anderson Cooper for thinking that <coughs> he was one of the liberal elites who routinely murder children and drink their blood. He said, I apologize for thinking that you ate babies. So, you know, people can change their minds. So that's good. Let's see. What else? I'm getting kind of irritated at Elon Musk. He's just playing with people, and people are taking it seriously. And he finds that apparently funny. But people are losing a lot of money on these things like this dog, doggy coin or whatever it is. I mean, this is nonsense. And he's just playing with people. And, I'm, you know, one of the things I've been on is this, uh, what do they call it, clubhouse. And, you know, people are seriously like, what's Elon doing? How can I game it? And it's all just, you know, gaming the market and making a mockery of the market in terms of its actual function, which is to, you know, set a valuation on stocks. And stocks represent, you know, uh, real companies. So it's a perversion of the process, which is not, you know, it's kind of Wall Street getting what it deserves, but, you know, it's just financial manipulation. Nothing to do with actual valuation. So usually those things end badly for the players. Usually get outsmarted. So stay clear of, the, of that door. And now, speaking of Elon, which brought him up, um, Elon Musk's Neuralink startup has successfully given a monkey a wireless brain implant that lets it play video games by the sheer power of thoughts. So I think that's probably the next thing. You know, the machine, human-machine interface, which is an acronym called HMI, you know, it's literally like telepathic power. So I, I, I'm ready for that because presumably it would have my identity in it and all my passwords and all that. So I'll take a chip in my head. I mean, I could use a little artificial intelligence given the fairly poor hand I was dealt with organic intelligence. What else do we have on here? Yeah, here's a guy... Bad, day, bad week for marketing after federal investigators charged Troy Faulkner, who's old enough to know better, 39, with two felonies when videos circulating on YouTube showed him breaking into the Capitol wearing a jacket emblazoned with his company's name and phone number. He says, I was upset and wasn't thinking rationally. You know, unreal. I am not in the same party as that guy, I'm sorry. 
So either he's got to go. Well, I'm not. I don't really consider myself a member of anybody's party. So speaking of that, you know, there's a brief, you know, in the white supremacist thread, and you know, I being that I I identify as white, this kind of this phrase has always kind of rankled me. Uh, but I read about this, and you know, it's pretty goofy, really. And I think the important thing is if you're white, don't take it personally because these people are nuts. It goes back to the Ruby Ridge thing and the Branch Davidian thing and then Timothy McVeigh who like blew up a building in Oklahoma City and uh, evidently it picked up after Obama and the, the economic collapse in 2008 which is actually in reverse order. So they say there's tens of thousands of these far-right extremists connected to several hundred groups, and 181 of them are militias, and they've got hate groups. And of course it spurs these lone wolf types. Like, it's kind of like Al-Qaeda, really, and except, you know, domestic. And government restrictions in response to the pandemic obviously set this off and the BLM thing sets this off and the pandemic restrictions uh, now there are some ex-military and we do thank them for their service but they're kind of behaving like a Praetorian guard if you will you know this Oath Keepers group so you know what all this reminds me of one of these groups at least their strategy is to start a race war. So that reminds me of Charles Manson and the whole Helter Skelter thing. So these people are way, way, way out there. And, you know, anytime you're talking about using violence uh, for political goals, that's the failure of politics. You know, they say war is diplomacy by other means. But diplomacy is war by other means, and politics is organized hatred. I think it was William James who said that. We do that so we don't end up killing each other. And so when you jump that bright red line, and I, that my view is that's what happened on January 6th, uh, that's not okay with me. So... Nick Kristoff, of all people, who just accused everybody in America of being a child molester, by the way. I put that out. I have a private Facebook group. So if anybody wants to be in that and you're willing to go on Facebook anymore, let me know. I'll invite you. And I put stuff out there that I just don't want to hear a lot of abuse about, but is kind of common sense to me. And, you know, I'm, I don't consider myself to be a child abuser. I don't know about you. But that's what Nicholas Kristof thinks. But, you know, that doesn't mean he doesn't have the occasional uh, reasonable thought. So he talks about Xi Jinping. And, I mean, this guy's as liberal and woke as you can get, obviously. Um, he says that Xi is an overconfident, risk-taking bully who believes the United States is in decline. And, you know, so do I. Uh, and he is going to probably test Joe Biden by seizing the Pratis and Kinnan Islands, which are now controlled by Taiwan. And it's like, can you imagine the United States, the people supporting, defending these two little islands that need, nobody is, I've never heard of them. 
I've been following Taiwan since it was the real China and, and then Formosa, you know. Or you could do a cyber, they could do a cyber attack on the Taiwanese banking system or a blockade of oil. Uh, that kind of uh, aggression could draw the U.S. into perhaps the most dangerous confrontation with another nuclear power since the Cuban Missile Crisis. And apparently Joe has retained a tough-minded team, quote-unquote, of China experts who understand that China is an untrustworthy adversary that could lead as to a dangerous escalation. And, and basically Nicholas is saying, let's keep the Cold War cold. Which is generally a good idea. But, you know, if, if they said that about the Trump administration, they would have been calling him a racist and everything else, and it's okay now that Joe's in. So there's more continuity between administrations here and generally than people realize. Alex Perrine in the New Republic says that elected officials shouldn't trade stocks, and, I mean, I'm okay with that, I guess. Um... Nancy Pelosi is, by the way, very wealthy through her husband. And he invested a half a million dollars in Tesla weeks before Biden announced he was convening, connecting, or converting the entire federal fleet to electric uh, vehicles. Well, you know, is that really inside information? I mean, you would kind of have to be clueless, not to figure that that was what Joe was going to do. You know, so investing in any of these green stocks. But today I was at a client, and uh, they make big-time industrial products, and they're, they're converting them to electric. And this guy was telling me that the voltage and the amperage in these things is so intense, so high, that if you get shocked by it, don't call a stretcher bearer, call an ashtray, because it will literally incinerate you. So, <coughs> while these things may be good for the environment, they're not necessarily good for the people who work on them, <coughs> Excuse me. which is why you have to be trained, but I thought that was interesting. But there's no moving parts in them things, really, not nearly as many as there are in a combustion engine, so there's going to be a lot of people who used to service the uh, internal combustion engine types of things that are going to be out of work, or have to convert over to be technicians instead of mechanics, I guess is the, the bottom line. And who else was doing insider stuff? Diane Feinstein, you know, so yeah, ban it. I mean, if you want to serve... You know, you can... I guess some of these blind trusts aren't so blind, but, uh, you know, it's a sackcloth and ashes thing. And it would stop rich people from running for Congress, which may be a good thing. The rise of Christian nationalism, we'll skip that. In Viewpoint, Derek Thompson from The Atlantic writes, uh, remote work just works. And... The Biden administration is actually talking about deconstructing some of the inter interstate highway system that was 
built under Eisenhower on the argument that places like the Dan Ryan separate neighborhoods. And so the infrastructure could actually be uh, de-infrastructure as we knew it. And I think actually, you know, they're talking about the nowhere and everywhere future of work. Um, you know, the highways were put into place in the 50s and 60s for national defense more than anything else. And as a result, it enabled white flight to the suburbs. And now this the information superhighway is... Uh, Al Gore used to call it, inventor of the internet, not really. Um, you know, it enables people to disperse even more. So, the idea is that it's going to be a brave new world. And we'll see what happens. I think you're going to have more hybrid stuff, so I don't see people moving way, way out. But um, I do see people moving out of the urban core, which is not good for me. Although I had an open house, which went okay. And I have showing tomorrow. So if you know anybody who's looking for a nice townhouse, let me know. In Lincoln Park. Now, we talk about, you know, who screwed up the virus. It's not just us. According to Jack Elsom in the Daily Mail, UK, the EU has bungled its vaccine drive. The unwieldiness of the EU is the problem. So the EU has the same problem we have with our states, really. You know, if you look at the EU as the United States of Europe, we have to do things 50 different ways. They have to do things 27 different ways. And that's a problem in situations like this. The EU appropriated $3.25 billion for vaccine development. And in contrast, according to uh, the Wirtschaftswoche, which is German. The U.S., with 100 million fewer people, put 10 billion into warp speed. So they're thinking we did better than they did, which is not the narrative we hear. And according to the Daily Telegraph UK, this underscores the wisdom of Brexit. The slow-moving, unresponsive, bureaucratic nature of the European Union especially disastrous in emergency. Its willingness to abandon its commitment to free trade at the first opportunity is revealing. It was Brussels, not London, that turned nationalist and nasty. So, you know, they're not all happy campers over there in the socialist paradise. Now here's an article about Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's this Atlanta representative who is got some pretty, according to Mitch McConnell, loony lies and conspiracy theories, which are a cancer for the Republican Party and our country. So when Mitch McConnell tells you that, you can be pretty sure this isn't just liberal smear tactics. And You know, there's a comment here in the Washington Examiner. Sadly, Republicans seem more interested in pleasing, pledging fealty to Trump than winning elections. Uh, and somewhere in, oh, here's the comment. According to uh, Melanie Zanoma and Sarah Ferris in Politico, 
it's clear that Trump still owns the party's soul. Well, first of all, you're assuming the party has a soul. You know, corporations and political parties don't really have souls. I mean, you can argue if anything, or anybody does, but, you know, the soul of the Republican Party, what is that? You know, parties are a way to um, curate platforms and candidates. And as a result, you know, everything they do is kind of a collective compromise to bring as many people together under one banner as possible. Um, so, you know, they may have mission, vision, values, but soul, I don't, I don't see a soul. Now, here's Wit and Wisdom, the quote section, one of my favorites. We do not know why we are born into the world, but we can try to find out what sort of world it is, according to Edwin Hubble, as in Hubble Telescope, the famous astronomer. Jonathan Swift said, falsehood flies and the truth comes limping after. And that was in what? The the 17th, the 18th century. So, you know, there's nothing new about misinformation and infodemics. This is from uh, Roman historian Cato the Elder. After I'm dead, I'd rather have people ask why I have no monument than why I have one, which is very timely. You know, because a lot of monuments are coming down here. On the poll watch, Americans feel safer about getting vaccinated. This is good news. With 66% expressing willingness to get a shot, up from 51% in October. So that's good. On a 10-point scale, where 10 means the highest level of stress, Americans are averaging 56 Okay, so about in the middle. 84% said they felt emotions indicative of prolonged stress, including anxiety, 47%, sadness, 44%, and anger, 39%. I don't know what's wrong with the other 61% if you're not feeling some anger lately. Um, Among Irishmen, that figure was 100%. No, I'm kidding. Top sources of concern include the country's future, 81%, uh, the pandemic, 80%, and political unrest, 74%. And this is according to the American Psychological Association, and it's good for the business of the psychologists. Now, here's a new, this is from a, part, a political cartoon which kind of makes fun of this guy, Representative Matt Gates, G-A-E-T-S, who kind of looks like uh, Eddie Munster. And they quote him as saying, we need to stop these woke-topians. And I like that. I'm, I'm, I'm stealing that. I don't know if he said it, or this cartoonist put words into his cartoon mouth, but... Um, I'm, I'm, I'm stealing it. I'm, I'm appropriating it. I'm culturally appropriating it. Now, crashing latest social media club, Clubhouse, an invitation-only social network that has become the buzz of Silicon Valley, is facing more scrutiny as journalists crash the party. And, and it's like 
Fight Club, you know, sharing what happened on Clubhouse outside of Clubhouse is forbidden, which, like, that's not going to happen, right? It's an audio-focused app. No record is kept of what is said, except everybody taking notes. It's got two million members, including me. So, uh, you know, obviously, when you open up these Pandora's boxes of what's in people's heads, you don't like what you find. And so there's been some homophobia and anti-Semitic stuff, and uh, the moderation is weak. And uh, there's a journalist out there, Sarah Salvitz, who has made a personal mission to invite as many reporters as possible as a way of increasing transparency. Well, I bet they like Sarah at Clubhouse. Uh, but, you know, you got public figures like Elon Musk and, and Mark Zuckerberg, and, you know, Facebook will probably buy it, and uh, that'll be the end of it. But then they have another can of worms, because now I see the Chinese have cut it off because people are talking about Z, not in a flattering way. And, uh, you know, I went out there and I was trying to tell some guy he was an idiot for... Not, I wasn't trying to tell him he was an idiot. I was trying to save him from himself. Because he's like, with this GameStop, he's like, I wouldn't sell it for $1,000. And I said, dude, you know, I will sell it to you for 1000 How would you like to buy some? I'll go buy it at 60 And, you know, so I don't know if I'm going to be a player out there at all. Now, here's the thing. Uh, there's a book about a woman who was a Marine commander in Afghanistan, which impresses me, and commanded hundreds of troops. And the book is called Warrior by Teresa Larson, but she suffered from bulimia. So she needed to get out of the service so she could control and defeat it. So that <clears throat> is what it is. I don't know. I'm not going to comment on that, but I just thought I'd share it. Now here's a, uh, what is this? Music and stage. The Catastrophist. I believe this is a play. Yeah, and it's called The Catastrophist. And you talk about expanding your vocabulary. I highlighted the word long, longers, which is French. I don't know what that means. So I gotta look that up. But um, it's like a guy who's warning everybody about pandemics and nobody buys it. And it's all about the human tendency to ignore catastrophe, you know, the Cassandra syndrome. So that sounds like an interesting thing. And I'm going to go look that word up. Uh, grassroots groups protest new policies. You know, now the, the uh, progressives are upset that Facebook is permanently stopping... It's going to permanently stop recommending political groups to its users because they want their group to be recommended. They just don't want what they consider to be the evil empire. So, you know, you got to be careful when you advocate censorship. It's a double-edged sword. And Larry Kudlow and Wilbur Ross are starting a blank check SPAC farm, which, you know, might be interesting. He's going to be looking for, it's going to be called Ross Acquisition, seeking $345 million 
by some company and I don't know what they are looking for but Wilbur Ross is a smart guy and Larry Kudlow is too so that should be interesting there's an item in here about uh, a mobile office van life they call it um, and this is the recreational vehicle. I don't know who makes this. Oh, Airstream is making one. It's a $108,000 camper, which is basically a movable office. So my wife and I are talking about starting up a consignment shop, but because she's got so much stuff, I either can either pay to store it or maybe I'll just run a store from. And, you know, I, I talked to another guy who's uh, going to go and put up a, a sort of a tailor shop on wheels to go drive around and do bespoke suits for people. And I thought a consignment shop on wheels might not be a bad idea, you know, because you go to places where there's a lot of uh, mostly women who want to buy this stuff and you just, you know, drive to where they are once the pandemic clears out. So... Look for that. We, we have a name for it. It's called Crave, K-R-A-V-E. So it's online now. So go look for that. And uh, hoping to open a bricks and mortar in Link, like in Armitage over by the old Charlie Trotters. So that should be interesting. That's my latest harebrained scheme. But this one, I mean, my wife, I've been looking for her superpower, and it is luxury goods. She can spot a fake from 10 miles away. Now, on a pharmaceutical note, Pfizer says it expects to sell about $16 billion in coronavirus vaccine doses this year. Um, and they're going to make money on it, like high 20% of revenue profit. They'll probably get beat up on that. But BioNTech, of course, is the company we played. But Pfizer, if Pfizer's going to make that kind of money, and that's, I'm keeping that. Most of these tear sheets I toss, but that one I'm a keeper because... I'm thinking you could sell some puts on Pfizer and get away with it. Because it's undervalued, I think. Uh, Democrats unite behind the $15 an hour minimum wage. About half the studies that were done since 1992 found statistically significant hits to employment. Amazon's fighting it. They already pay. Well, actually, no, they're not fighting it. Amazon pays. They're fighting unionization, but they already paid fifteen, so they're lobbying in favor of it, so everybody else has to, which is interesting, because they think they're at a disadvantage by paying it. Some small businesses may struggle to pay workers a living wage, says Ann Lowry, but that doesn't justify economic policies that don't just allow but promote destitution. And Bernie Sanders says the $15 an hour is a starvation wage. And I challenged a guy I spar with on Facebook to show me these starving people. And I'm Irish, so we know a little bit about getting starved to death. Like three million of us were starved to death by the British. And he says, well, just look at the lines at food banks and soup kitchens. And I'm like, well, there's lines because they're giving out food and soup. We didn't have those lines in Ireland, so we had to come here, which is why I have to put up with all this nonsense. I would be cheerfully sitting in Nugent Castle otherwise. So... Um, 
you know, helping the needy is at no cost to government is the argument. Well, that's the whole point. It doesn't cost government anything. And in fact, it saves them money because they don't have to pay as much out in benefits. And hopefully, too, it generates a little tax revenue. But, you know, what about the businesses? If The, the problem with uh, minimum wage, by the way, isn't you got to have one, I think. If you're going to outlaw slavery, you basically have to have a minimum wage. I used to say you didn't need one, but then I figured that out. But it should be not only state by state, but locality by municipality. Because, you know, if you live in a small rural town in Mississippi, you can buy yourself a house for probably twenty-five grand. Well, if you live in San Francisco or New York or Chicago. So that needs to be a local decision. And a federal minimum should really be the lowest common denominator, and that's where it is. I mean, they're talking about doubling the minimum wage, I think, at the federal level. So that's not good, in my opinion. But it's going to happen anyway. So. And the argument is that it will increase the wealth of that, uh, that cohort, even though it does eliminate some of their jobs. So, so the... The greater good for the greater number, I guess, is the way that goes. Let's see. I made a little note here that I can't read. So we'll try to decipher that later. A $7 billion crypto joke. This is the craziness. Uh, Wall Street bets was behind GameStop and now Satoshi Street Bets, which is a bit crypto group, has been bidding up the uh, cryptocurrency doggy coin, which comes from some video game from uh, D-O-G-U-E. Oh, Doge. No, no, this is different. So this is crazy. Um, this is just like an inside Silicon Valley joke, and people are outside of the valley are taking it seriously. It's crazy. And speaking of that, GameStop mania, the democratization of finance is like the democratization of everything. A rose with thorns, says Derek Thompson in The Atlantic. Uh, GameStop madness will probably mint some Robin Hood millionaires, but many more investors will lose their money. So this is the opposite of the minimum wage. You know, a few people will benefit, but most people will be crying. To fix Twitter, start with the business model, says Scott Galloway in New York Magazine. And he's thinking they should charge a subscription. If just 15% of Twitter's active users paid $10 a month, it could replace all its ad revenue. But it could also combine ad revenue with subscriptions if it got rid of anonymity and gave users enhanced ways to verify their identities. This is the chip in your head. That would let Twitter grow its revenue and reduce its toxicity. Twitter's failure to deliver financial returns to shareholders and its threat to democratic institutions are intertwined. And redesigning the business is the way to solve both problems. Well, I have nothing against subscriptions for these services. And I honestly don't know that I would pay to be on Twitter 
or Facebook. I would probably pay to be on LinkedIn, and actually, I do pay a premium rate. So one thing you could do is, uh, you know, add a premium subscription that would have certain privileges, and I don't know what that would be. I'll leave that to the smart boys in California to figure out. But you can you can do like an ad-supported version uh, that's free, and then and one that's not that has privacy and you know more ability to filter out or maybe even the opposite you know maybe maybe less monitoring if you pay I don't know but there's a number of different things you could play around with that would reduce their dependence on clickbait and uh, you know maybe fund them to the point where they could spend more money on monitoring and all that good stuff so we'll see what happens then. so anyway that's the end of the episode um, that's the week, and uh, I'll be back on soon, because I do have still some listeners, but I need to have more folks, or else the podcast will not go on forever. Obviously, it will not survive me, but if nobody listens one day, I really am going to have a, that's a fork in the road. So, uh, keep listening if you want to keep hearing it, and, uh. Share it, you know, share the link. Sharing is caring. So uh, let's try to build up a little merry band of listeners so that I can keep talking to you. Stay safe, wear a mask, live long and prosper. Check out the exciting link, uh, Nugent Ventures LinkedIn corporate page for the latest uh, reading, writing worth reading. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.